podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Franny Benali, and you're listening to In That Number. And then they lift one over the top for Danny Ings. He's in the box. Oh, on to his left foot. Brilliant. Oh, it's a for checking out In That Number with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, In That Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to InThatNumberPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number, ITN 101, the Fulham Monty. Today, we shall be discussing our Boxing Day clash in the capital, where we took on Fulham at Craven Cottage. Unfortunately, we have no Moscow mush today, as he's on his winter holidays, but fear not, you have me and Tim to see you through. So let me bring in Tim. Tim, welcome back. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. Worked the majority of it, but had some time to catch up on The Mandalorian. Um, Major fan of the TV show. Me too. Caught the entire series and all the way up through season two now, which was absolutely fantastic. Oh, gosh, yeah. The ending of series two, it was just unbelievable. I won't give any spoilers away, but yeah. I knew something was going to happen, but didn't know that specific thing was going to happen, which was pretty cool, which was pretty cool. And yeah. So that's that, and now I'm, we're looking at Baby Yoda stuffed animals or figurines for Abby's desk. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, my, my little girls like it as well. So yeah, they're milking the crap out of their merchandise, aren't they? They always they always do. It's kind of it's Disney though. They oh, <laughs> they puke magic all day long. <laughs> right. Okay. So do you have a teaser for me this week? I sure do. So would you rather tie a soccer game zero zero, or would you rather tie a game four four? And so the 0-0 is a snooze fest where there's no shots on goal uh, for either team, but the defense has played really well. Or a 4-4 where there was multiple penalties, you know, over 20 shots on goal for each, uh, in total, and it would be just an absolute uh, shit show when it comes to the scorecard. I think, I would just for the entertainment value, I would take the 4-4 as long as it's only that once, because you couldn't, you couldn't sustain that throughout the season surely but I mean you are going to get the nil nils sure but a 4-4 game you'll never ever forget and it's great for the fans so I thought about this and if it's my team I'm going to take the 0-0 but if it's any other game whatsoever I'm taking the 4-4 yeah neutral yeah yeah for if it's a neutral fan the 0-0 though it shows that your defense, you know, as long as your defense can step up and make, maintain it and there is some significant level of high level play, 
that's where I want it to be. That's where I want it to be at. I want to be in that where I can improve. I have to improve my offense rather than have to go back and see what I can do to improve improve a leaky defense. I feel it's much harder to improve uh, the defense in those situations. There's pros and cons to both of them, of course. But yeah, just mm-hmm. for entertainment value, I would say four four. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, ITN news. Once again, like last week, no news worth discussing with you except an injury report from Tim, and just a brief touch up on plans on the uh, on the transfer window. Uh, Ralph had stated that he isn't ruling out adding to the squad in January. He said we can do something for the future like we did with Kyle Walker-Peters. So if we are to do any business in terms of incomings at least, then we can expect young players that fit the mould and, you know, on loan with an option to buy in the summer. So if we are expecting any big money transfers, it's not going to happen. It's just going to be loans with that option to buy. Um, But yeah, and watch this space on outgoings. Uh, Tim, injury report. Uh, So we've got Danny Ings, hamstring, Yannick Vestergaard with his knee and Nathan Redmond, muscle issues that's all i've got is that what you're hearing too that is correct uh nothing new on the front of any specifics with it ings we knew it was that left hamstring when he went down with it during the game uh redmond itself though nothing exactly coming up here uh when it comes to you know any anything that notices within the news itself no timeline on redmond is there? yes there is a timeline, but I think they are looking more positive than they are negative. So I don't expect him to play against West Ham, but I expect him probably within the next couple weeks or so. And then Vestigard said up to four weeks, potentially more. Uh, that could be a number of different things without speculating on the exact situation. Let's just hope for the best because he has been playing the best out of any of our team, any of our players this season. Yeah, that's a, that's a slight worry, that one, isn't it? But as I say, uh, Jack Stevens stepped in. Well enough yesterday. Let's get, you know, with, with these games coming thick and fast in January, we need all the help we can get. So Silesi might have to be used. Um, I also heard in the week that Stuart Armstrong had a bit of a training injury and might not have been fit for Fulham game, but he was. Yeah, he got stepped on his hand. Nasty. Yeah, he could wrap it up like Theo has uh, with his his fit with broken finger on his left hand. But yeah, good to see him make the uh, make the eleven anyway. <laughs> okay, then on to Fulham from Boxing Day. Going into this one, then off the back of that loss to Man City, all of us full of confidence here, really. All predicted an easy three points. But it's easy to see why, you know, current form of both sides, Fulham spending Christmas in the bottom three, and the fact that our recent record against newly promoted sides is pretty much perfect, winning nine in a row. Uh, We've never won ten in a row in the top flight against newly promoted sides. Um, And we actually lost our first two under Ralph. Uh, but Fulham at Craven Cottage against Saints are very successful, though. And in fact, yeah, Premier League history, Saints have only won one of the first 10 games against them. But Saints' recent record against Fulham is good, winning three of our last four and keeping a clean sheet in each victory. We were looking to equal a record of seven unbeaten on the road. Uh, and we had to settle for a very dour point this time as we saw out a nil-nil draw. The 11, then, Tim, uh, McCarthy... Walker-Peters, Stevens, Bednarek, Bertrand, Armstrong, Ward-Prowse, Diallo, Walcott, Adams, Long. The spine of the side missing, of course. Tim, I I mentioned a couple of weeks back that with the fixture congestion, we'll know how good this side is, how deep the squad is, and how we can deal with it. 
with the injuries and suspensions we had this time, you know, changes were the, the, the ones that they made were nailed on pretty much. Stevens replaces Vestergaard, fine. Diallo replaces Romeo for his full debut, also fine. Long replaces Ings, some sniffed at this, but okay. Already made replacements. But beyond that, that's it. We just have to make sure we could do the job on the pitch because we've got a very inexperienced bench. Uh, but firstly, Tim, how did you see that starting 11? Was there any surprises to you? I mean, if so, what would you have done differently? So the starting 11 itself, now, you said, that, like, you, like you said, though, there's a plug and play when it comes to the three changes. So seeing Stevens coming in for Vestergaard, we are looking at a ball-playing center back. Now, from every highlight reel that I've seen from Salisu, uh, Salisu does not have the ability to push up past the third level, so make those long stretch passes. Now, that Vestergaard and even Stevens has been able to play. So seeing that, it makes sense that Stevens stepped in for Vestergaard. Now, I was thinking because Salisu is a left center, left-sided center back, he would actually slot in on that side and then with Ben Nurek, he, uh, he would be taken out for Stevens. So Stevens would be Ben Nurek's backup. So I was, it makes, it, it makes sense to me seeing that uh, change. Diallo is the ideal change. Like that's what we brought him in for. He is one of those, uh, sixes who sits in the corner as a double pivot. And all he does is, you know, just turn, bring the level and bring the level, bring the ball up as he can. And then, uh, you know, push it, push it up as best you can. Uh, and then long, it makes sense. Once again, it's a plug and play for the option. He knows the system. He knows where he's at, but, uh, not a sexy pick by any means just because he, we know what he does. He runs around a lot. He challenges. He makes, he makes, uh, great space for other people, but isn't clinical, has a great head. It just, there was nothing sexy about it. And we were hoping that there was some opportunity for some of the younger guys who are in the team itself, whether it be Nalundalu or even Olufemi or, you know, push in, in bringing Salisu then for that center back role. It makes sense. I, I, I'm not upset about it, but I, I think I would have liked a little bit, maybe one more person or one of those new guys to come in to fill the gap. To be honest, I wasn't upset with Long's inclusion because of, because of that bench. I saw that we had the options there with Lindalu with, with Teller to, to play uh, over Femi, as you said. But people were, yeah, as you say, it's, it's not a sexy pick, and he he will do the job, but he's just not Danny Ings, is he? That's the problem. We don't have that that ready-made replacement. Uh, but the bench, Forster, Valerie, Smallbone, Vokins, Gineppo, and Lundalu, Teller, Oberfemi, and Salisu. Now, this has an average age of 22. And if you take Forster out of it, then it drops to 20.7. So it's very young, not what you'd call impact players at all. Um, and, and it's all still needing time to, with the exception of Gineppo, I guess, but even that's still reaching. And it does beg the question, Tim, do we have a, enough depth in this squad so right now that means we have we had five people out so five of what would be seen as our starting core uh members out i'm sorry four of our starting core out with vestigar redmond ings and romeo so romeo is going to plug back in when he comes back and then so with ings redmond and vestigard so you've got a forward you've got a midfielder and then you've got a center back so seeing who the who the lineup the main lined up replacements are you've got uh, for for Vestergaard, it's Stevens. For Redmond, it's any of the rotation of Walcott, uh, Gineppo, Armstrong, and then Ings. It's your your replacements for Long. 
looking at the drop off from those levels, I think the biggest drop off is from Ings to Long. I think that Redmond, there's a rota- you know, there is a rotation that, like for example, Janepo can provide. Uh, there's a there's a level that, that for Vestergaard where Stevens may not be as elite in the the most recent way that Vestergaard is playing, but can fill that gap and fill that role. Where Ing where Ings to Long Long just isn't clinical anymore. He's never been clinical. That is, and he might be able to run around and make the space, but he's a little bit different of a player and was more of a compliment to Ings when they were starting out last year in their in their in their one two matchup. So seeing all that, I you know I think our best route would be considering Walcott as a top up in the top there. Mm. Uh, I think I still think that because if you want to make those runs, you can you can make them with Walcott, and he does make space just like just like just like a long can, and that way we then put you've got a rotation of Redmond, Janepo, Armstrong on the on the outside attacking midfielder positions, and that's where you then you bring Tella in on the right. Uh, if you want to, that's when you're phasing in. You've got four of the gaps there. I think you're trying to, I, I, I always am a fan of putting the best foot forward, meaning that you want to put the best players on the field. And even if you got to tinker just a little bit, like how we saw with Walcott, how he's drifted in a lot more than where last year Armstrong and uh, Redmond really kind of just hung on the outside and then collapsed in normally, where Walcott will come and basically play right behind the, 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 the Right behind the forwards in a like kind of more like a four one three two. I don't think that there is some t- there is some talent drop off, and if we want to fill if we want to fill a gap, that third forward spot would be the the position. Yeah, I, I mean, the, I, I suppose the only thing that I was a bit shocked with that starting eleven was the fact that Long was starting because you do have the option to play Walker up front with Adams and then bring Janepo on in that left role. Then you've got Oberfemi and Long that can come off the bench and try and offer something. You've always got Teller that can come on that wide position as well. So that was the only thing. I mean, Stevens was expected. Uh, sorry, Diallo was expected. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I was happy. I, I don't mind Long. I don't mind seeing him out there. And, you know, and as it turns out, he wasn't that bad, considering the rest of the team's play and the, and the chances that created. And going into the match, I thought it was a really, really sloppy start. I just thought we couldn't get going, um, and then there was an incident where Bednarik handballed it in the box. Is that a penalty for you? Uh, no, it's not. And my explanation of why is if for the handball, it did hit his elbow, and so it's not discrediting that it was a handball, but say he puts his arm down, it literally would hit his chest. So to me, in that way, and that means is that if your arm is out – Away from your, away from yourself in forward, but it didn't affect the ability for the shot to go in because it was wasn't going to hit def- his chest anyway. Yeah, it was going to hit saying. his chest anyways. Easy no call for me. Well, I mean, the, it looks like the FA are being more lenient with these handballs, and that's that's a good thing, you know. You know, the handball on Sterling last week, case in point. But if that's the case now, that's fine. But you have to be consistent with these because it was getting ridiculous at some point this season. The refs just need more common sense, and if you take this game onto it, it looks like they are having the common sense to do that. Yeah, not not a load of, a load of chances at all in that first half, was there? And there was that one worry when Loftus Cheek comes down the right 
fires across to the back post, uh, clearing the outstretched leg of uh, Kyle Peters, and it falls to Lookman, who waits patiently, and then Ongisa completely whiffs on his shot. Uh, I guess that was kind of a lucky break there, because that could have quite easily have been 1-0 to Fulham. Yeah, there is a ton of good, there is a ton of small, I guess, chances that they had. There wasn't necessarily the shots on goal, but it was definitely the lead into a potential, and it was just enough to keep you on edge to kind of keep you scared, but nothing to realize that, uh, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be able to completely be clinical on these chances. There's nothing that showed cl- clinicalness, but definitely scared you a little bit here and there. Kept the ner- nerves up a little bit towards the majority of this, uh, first half. Yeah, and then the one chance to mention from us, Reed hauls down Adams on the edge of the box, actually quite a way out from the box, in fact. Uh, free kick, James Ward Prowse over it. Uh, just a, a, a fantastic shot, really good effort. Um, Ariola with the faintest of touches onto the post, and then the spin does for, for Shea. But what an effort. Oh, it was fantastic. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because the distance out that we've seen for the majority of Ward Prowse's goals were actually, we're, we're closer in. So this was really on the edge of his range. Which allowed Ariola the, he, he cheated a little bit. He took an extra half step because he knows that every one of Ward Prowse's goals, uh, from free kicks, except for one of the first ones that he's had, uh, have been over the wall, direct curve into that corner. He knew where he was going and he had just enough time there to be able to get that outstretched hand. Now, if it was, you know, let's just say if it was five feet closer to the goal, he wouldn't have got there. Just because you wouldn't have been able to, you wouldn't be able to cheat as much. But seeing that they're they're predicting where where Pross is going to go, and he's just doing it better than anybody else can. So I'm a little scared because they know how to be able to defend him. And while Ariola showed he did very well today, I was, I'm a little uh, hesitant just because I think that they figured out Ward Pross. I think they figured him out, and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to be too unreasonable by saying he's got one move and it's fantastic, but it could something could happen from it. There are some occasions where he's taken a free kick and the keeper's been in the right position. He's taken the right amount of steps and there's still absolutely nothing he can do about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is still that. Yeah, this, this one was a little bit further out. I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. And the way that he hit it, arguably better than the free kicks that have gone in this year. Oh, it was gorgeous. It, it was, was, it was just going to be in that top corner, too. It was just going to be in that top corner and Ariel was able to get it enough to be able to deflect off the, off the, uh, off the post. And then Adams just sees the ball spin in a complete awkward direction. Yeah. I think, I think Shea was a little bit too quick to it, wasn't it? His eyes just lit up for, <gasps> just went straight to it too quickly and the ball just, yeah, just spun up on him and made him look like a fool. But yeah. I no. think he's. I think he saw it coming. He he saw and he knew where it was going to be, but he didn't. He didn't expect the spin. VAR check on the Aina handball. I thought that could have been given. I thought it would have been given. D- does anybody actually know what the handball rule is now? Because I'm convinced that he didn't give this one because he didn't give the one on Bednarek. I thought it was a penalty. If I'm being honest, I don't want to sound like I'm being biased here, but the, the guy's leaning forward and he's used his arm to stop the cross. Yeah, and so what he's doing is. He's putting the hands, and this goes back to like when I was seven or eight thinking about it, is if you're going to get a handball, uh, you want to put your hands as close as you can to your legs because then what it, what it occurs is that it's an extension of your body. By having your arms flailing out, yeah. that's a problem. But 
he they felt that his hand was probably close enough to his body because he was down and he was trying to keep it down to avoid having that little outstretched arm where it could have happened. There was a gap between – what you don't want to see is a gap between uh, the arm and the, and the body itself. Mm-hmm. So in that case, though, there may have been just a little tiny gap. Uh, but I see why it wasn't called because he was technically doing what you would be supposed to do to add an extension to your body. Now, if it was like a little, like that's, it's an awkward, if there's, if it's an awkwardness where the arm is a little bit flailing out or you can even see the forearm, the hand, whatever it might be. But I see why it wasn't called because he was doing everything he was supposed to in order to avoid a handball. That's but why. Like we've seen this season, those have been given throughout the league. Yeah. Uh, and and it's time. been, it's been shit, and there's yeah, been a lot right. of them. There's been a lot of them that are like that, and I think that they got the right call on both. Unfortunately for for these situations, I would have to disagree. I think that I think R one should have been a penalty, and I think the Bednarik one possibly not. Like you said, I, I I can see why not. I mean, it would have been a harsh one, but this is this is what I think. Um. Just just to mention the first half. Terrible, terrible first half. Awful first half of football. I didn't enjoy it at all. Lowest attempted shots in a half this season for the whole of the Premier League. You know, not not surprising really. I think I mentioned to you at the break, I, this has got Neil Neil written all over it. I just can't see anybody breaking them down. You called it. Yeah, so I kind of like put the curse on it, I guess. Um Long did have the ball in the net though. VAR stepped in and I think rightly changed the decision, yes? Yes, this unfortunately. This is what VAR's for, right? Yes, they but did. Why, a, why are Saints fans complaining about this? It's against it's against what they want. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the right decision. The ball went in the back of the net, and VAR's looked at it, and he's offside. There is yeah. no argument. I it's, understand. No, but, but VAR did the right thing. It was yes, it did. And, it, and yeah, and that was it. Um, and then again, the 85th minute, Walcott put the ball in the net. Lovely move. Probably the best move of the match. Long to Shea. Shea puts in across to Theo and he just glances it in. VAR steps in again and overturns the decision again. Was that a correct decision in your opinion? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, good. I agree with you because, yeah, he was... I'm hearing some people saying, well, we only saw the lines from a funny angle, from a diagonal. We didn't see it straight on. But Mm -hmm. I'm thinking at Stockley Park they had multiple camera angles and they would have known that he was offside. Absolutely. Even from that diagonal, I still thought... Adams was in an offside position. So the the thing about their lines that they use for offsides, the line that they use is five millimeters, and I think that's ridiculous because even in that's that's the bear that's the barrel of um, the the uh, barrel or the depth of the line that they use in Hawkeye, but the thing is in Hawkeye is in for tennis. Those lines are stagnant, and so they know exactly where it's at, and so that's why they can get so close. Whereas every, there's tons of moving parts around here and you don't have, you literally don't have a camera angle at every single location. So I think they need to widen that line. I, I still, offsides with VAR in, I guess maybe that's just the American in me says it's a good thing, but there needs to be more room for air. And, you know, looking at the distance between it all, just trying to think about what, you know, what is appropriate distance and seeing that you're looking at more like, I don't know, like, you know, three sixteenths or yeah. so you're looking at like five, you know, well, that's five millimeters. I'm thinking more maybe even like a half, you know, like a half an inch, which is about 13 millimeters. Sure. And so that, that would be leave least gauge a little bit more and allow for it yeah you yeah you need more room for error for it because it's difficult but that i don't know to me that was that was a clear and obvious one i think that was that was offside um so that was it nil nil full time ralph said at the end of the game tim that he was unhappy he was not unhappy with the point i'm yeah i'm very disappointed with it i mean 
it's not what we wanted. We didn't want that at all. We didn't get a performance. And I think Ralph has to take some blame for this because the substitutions were once again too late. And, you know, we, we were discussing during the game, actually, Tim, that Gineppo could make an impact here. And Lundelou oh, he, should have he come no, uh, Gineppo should have been on like the 60th minute because that game, yeah. this is what's prime for him. This is the game for him is to expose a team that is, that may have less equal or less than capabilities and be able to expose and make those runs and provide that creative touch. I'm, he would be ideal for yeah, this. Yeah, I'm just convinced that Ralph just wanted to get this one over and done with and was a little bit too, I mean, if he did make a really, really positive attack and change and it backfired and we come away with nothing. Maybe it was a little bit scared to do something like that, but I just wanted some desire that we want to get those three points. Because you've got Unlundula, you've got Oberfemi, you've got Gineppo. Use them earlier. We could have done that, but I don't know. I think Ralph has to take you know some of the blame for this. And the fact that he says that he was not unhappy with this, it just, I don't know, it just seems like, yeah, just get this one over and done with. Take a point and then prepare for West Ham. I don't know. I'm just disappointed with it. I think I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say this again. This is the times and the situations that separate teams who are just going to be mid-table, where they end up going into they end up going to Craven Cottage and say, oh, all right, well, it took a point. That's what it, you know, so be it, versus the teams who are challenging for Europa or challenging for any European spot, being those top tables. Yep. You, ex- you expect to go in there to win, and you should be, dis- you should be disappointed and disheartened. Because if you saw the Liverpool when they went in there and tied, they were pissed. Absolutely. You know, we come out, we come out of there and now we're ninth. Now yeah. there's definitely some, there's definitely some build up between 20, you know, 20, all the way. So for us, we're 25th and, you know, there's 28 is third place. Still though, you need to be able to go and make that push. You need to be able to go and make a difference. Think of anything that we make issues with of Ralph, it's his substitution usage. Absolutely. And you look at you look at the um well you look at Stuart Gray at the end of the game, you look at Ralph Hassan at the end of the game, you look at the players, Fulham players, all the Fulham team more happy with this point than we were, that's for sure. Um, but that's sixty nine games since we last had a nil nil. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you say, moved down to ninth with yesterday's games taken into account. Still sitting pretty on twenty five points though. I just think, you know, if we're serious about European charge, then these are the games that we need to be turning one point into three, just like you said. It's a need. It's a necessity they need to do this. Uh, Tim, your final assessment on the game? Disappointed, because this is really a time that we need to, be, need to have been pushing. If we went all out and got five, six, seven shots in, you know, in the second half, and Gineppo, you know, made some quick runs, we, we, and obviously we had two offsides calls, but we had, we did even more. Like I said, more challenges, and Ariel stood on his head. I would have felt a little bit better, but. From Ralph's comments and the lack of use of subs, I just said, I don't know, felt lethargic. And I don't want that. I don't want that out of this team. We have the energy. We need to be able to push. And if you throw those new players on, this is the opportunity for them to succeed. I wanted to see Tella in this game. I didn't want to see him in Manchester City because I think this would have been an opportunity for him to build his confidence and build it on the right side. I think this would have been an opportunity for Nilundalu to be able to come up and build yeah. some confidence, to be able to make some runs. I think it would have been prime for Gineppo, Tella, and Nalundalu for those three as our subs uh, to be able to replace the attacking midfielders alongside Che supporting uh, Nalundalu uh, and getting those big, you know, getting those big runs in. Um, a little disappointed for sure. Uh, Abby was really upset because she's like, I can't believe I just watched the majority of this game. It was so boring. And I had to apologize to her because, well, yeah, it was really boring. 
And to me, though, I love this team. want the best for him. That bench is super young, and he it just showed that he didn't trust them because if it's 0-0, he was stagnant and wanted a, <clears throat> was comfortable with a 0-0. That's not, that's not for me. That's not what I want. you got to be able to push and go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Fulham set up to keep their shape, didn't they? And, and with our injuries and suspensions to key players, the onus was on us to break them down. And it's always going to be difficult, especially without Ings. Um, but Fulham did their job. Keeper was good. Uh, we just didn't have enough. But uh, yeah, unlucky with a few decisions, sure. But I'm just annoyed that Ralph didn't do enough to try and win this game. It's just, yeah, it doesn't sit right. But uh, just before we move on, um, I want to hear your thoughts on, on how you thought Diallo held up in the middle there. So what, what, what separates Diallo from Romeo is that Diallo can go forward. He's made a few runs up top. He made that run just on like the set of the first half. Well, we had a when we when we signed Diallo, we had a, a French writer on, and um, he said that he can play in that attacking midfielder just as well as he can play in that defensive midfielder. So he has got the versatility in midfield. Now, whether we're going to use him like that is another matter. Obviously, this game we were never going to do that, were we? Because you know he was just going to be a replacement for Romeo. Yeah, we saw his first times as subs. He's come on for those attacking midfielder on the right side. So to me, though, from his pres- presence, he was able to pivot. And I love the pivot that he had. And so <clears throat> he showed tr- – I, sh- I felt that I had trusted him now going forward as that third of the center midfielder uh, place. But if we do want to have a push on the front foot there, you know, he made those runs going forward. I think I like those ma- him making those runs from depth positions because uh, – Romeo, what is, I mean, he had that one goal, that worldie, but beyond that, he hasn't had a goal or assist in a long, long, long time. We know his role, we know what he's doing. He, he does provide a little extra emphasis if we want to need it in that role. And I feel confident now in his depth position by, by this, uh, by this time, or by this, uh, by this game. Good performance overall. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, he did have that one whiff at the end, edge of the box oh, yeah. there in the second half. <laughs> um, but beyond that, that was, that was really about it. And I was, it could have, like I said, it could have been a lot worse. I think he showed promise. I think it looked like, uh, I look like there is a proper depth signing and I'm okay. Like I, I'll take it. And how about long? So he made a few good runs and he did what he was, you know, he did what we expected of him. There is no challenging anything new about him. I think he would have been great if we were up to nothing and he played off the bench and he was our sub for the, the forward position. I think he's a, he's great in that role. Um, I think that he did fine. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. Um, I just, overall, it was fine is not good enough, though. Man of the match for you, Tim. Oh, taking a look at this. Uh, Walker Peters made those a- aggressive and attacking runs. But seeing it all, Dial didn't screw up. Man, it's just, I'm going to go with Walker Peters. He made those aggressive runs, especially right at the end there. He pushed up high, and I felt that his presence was... Fantastic on the right side. I don't think they they attacked very well on the on the left. I think they could have attacked a whole lot better. But I'll take Walker Peters for his advancing runs going forward. I'm taking Kyle Walker Peters too. I just yeah, I think overall, well, he was most most effective in the pressing game. He led the team in tackles, best in progressive distance. Also, uh, he led the uh, led the team in dribbles. His tackling was the most made by any Premier League player this season and the most made by a Saints player in over six years. So, yeah, 
just just a great performance from him overall. As you say, his, his running as well was great. Uh, Jack Stevens, though, needs a mention. Mm-hmm. Um, considering yes, he how, how he lost his place to Vestergaard, you know, he, he's come in and become arguably the most important player this campaign. Last time he played, he was stuck at left-back. His confidence can't be too high, and not to mention his nerves. Knowing right, if he fails against this Fulham side, then all eyes will be on him once again. But I thought he was brilliant yesterday. And I thought, it, it, you know, that block at the end, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think we can feel a little bit easier about his inclusion moving forward because he's going to be needed, as I said, in the coming weeks. Um, and this will have done him the world of good. So, yeah, well done, Jack Stevens. He had three progressive balls that broke the, sec- the, broke the, the second level. And them running a 3-4-3, but it was much more of a 5-2-3, he was able to break that second level and, and progress into the forwards, into, the, into a stopgap of mostly Adams, but a few times long. So... Very happy with his performance. I think that was, in the, in the case of the situation of being out of long, or excuse me, uh, out of Vestergaard, that's what it was. And I was, like you said, pleasantly surprised. I think, he, I mean, that's what we, I think that's what we should be expecting of Stevens. He's not going to be as elite level or top level as Vestergaard is going to play, but he does fill that role. And I think if we can get that type of performance as, as best we can from whenever he plays, I'm going to take that. And that means he's a great third center back to me. Yeah, just solid. Solid performance there, I thought. Okay, no rest then. We return home to face West Ham United on Tuesday the 29th, a 6 p.m. kickoff, live on Prime. West Ham then, Tim. Doing better than I expected, actually. Just, I don't know, they're a horrible team to play against. And they're just sitting just behind us in the league in 10th at the moment on 21 points with a game in hand. That game is happening against Brighton, I believe, in about half an hour's time. But um, on their day, capable of beating anyone, really. Already beat Leicester 3-0 at the King Power. Big 4-0 win against Wolves. Taken a point at Tottenham. Have had a point against City. However, you know, they're coming off of a big 3-0 loss to Chelsea. So it's very difficult to know what you're going to get with them. But what do you feel about West Ham, Tim? So they were the team that, in comparison to us, where we had the most promising and the best expected going into the uh, going into the season, they were the worst. So they are exceeding expectations by all accords of fans or you know pundits or whomever it might be. So that's great because Moyes has got them playing at a quality mid-tier approach. You can beat the hell out of anybody as they need to, and unfortunately slip and slip at times for one reason or another. Uh, I think that West Ham. Because just literally the thing, first thing that comes to my head says fuck them because they're one of the teams that West Ham and Burnley are the teams that are just I hate playing against. Yeah. It's it's just the they'll sit back and they'll find your weakness and they'll get under your nerves and they get under your skin and do all that and I don't like that at all. I'm not a fan. So they're gonna find a way. It's gonna be Hlar and he's gonna throw a. You know, a bicycle kick or a Rabona or something, something crazy and just beat us. And I hate it. It's just, I really hate it. I'm not a fan at all whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, they usually set up with a four, five, one. So they kind of like pack that middle out. So it's going to be difficult to break them down much like it was against Fulham. Um, but if they do have a go at us, there could be some space for, for Theo and for Armstrong space that we were starved of against Fulham. So the, I, I do think they're going to have a go at us more than Fulham will. So there, there are chances for goals and it's yeah. just, it's just, we need to hope that we're not in a slump right now because this Fulham result has really put me on a downer. So it's difficult it's with, with, you know, West Ham's form. Never know what you're going to get with them. And the way that we're playing at the moment, you could say the same. 
So score predictions are going to be very, very difficult here. Um, so, Tim, did you want to go first? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did want to say one thing, though, is that they're playing today where we played yesterday and we play them on Tuesday. So we have a day extra rest against them. True. So we need to beat the hell out of them. We need to run them down. I expect a few, little bit of a rotation again, but we just need to we just need to beat them. And hopefully uh, Romeo coming back in, that'll be a provide a, a spark and presence, which I think will be helpful. Um I'm going to go with a 1-1 scrap. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be gross. And the problem is then is that's going to put us at three points in the last four games. And I'm not a fan of that. It's, it's just, it's, we should have been doing better. I think we predict, we are all predicting much higher and very promising. And it's just going to be gross. That's football. That's football. <laughs> um, I've actually got a 1-1 too. I, I can't see anybody breaking it down. I think it's just going to be a bit of a scrap. It's going to be very, very cagey. Um, and it's just going to be an individual piece of brilliance that separates them, I think. So, so yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Uh, Kevin, I don't even know what he's going for, so I'm going to have to get in contact with him somehow and send him a message and try and get his prediction before the game on Tuesday. Uh, and the same for Wife Wars, because I don't know what Marina's going for. Uh, but Gemma is go- says that this game's got nil-nil written all over it, so she's going nil-nil. So Abby goes with 1-0 Saints. Oh, I like it. She did watch the game yesterday, right? She watched the majority of the game yesterday, <laughs> and she okay. said it was so boring. I already yeah. said that multiple times, Abby. <laughs> we have to, you know, we have to give him some uh, some shit for sitting on a beach in Zanzibar right now, of all yeah. places. I know he's not 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 checking his fantasy football team though, as we'll get to in a minute. But uh, uh, wife wars scores then after the Fulham, all predicting Saints to win, so no changes. So that leaves Marina on nine. Sorry, yeah, Mar- Marina on nine, Gemma on six. And Abby on four. Hi, I'm Matt Letizia, and thank you for listening to In That Number. Okay then, extra time. We shall start with our predictions. <laughs> Tim, just like our wives, we all predicted a Saints win, so once again, no change. That's me on 26, you on 17, and Kevin on eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awful, awful. Uh, Super Six, round 23 was won by Dan Buck on 14. Uh, and the overall lead is a three-way tie at the top. So Colin Carter, Freddie from the Ugly Inside, and Bradley Lloyd all have 184 points. Really, really close stuff, that. Fantasy football. No Moscow Mush to do this, so it's the first time I'm going to be doing this. Tim, how's your team looking? Because at, uh, at the time of preparing for it, you were on 42. This one, I'm at 54. I've got... Uh, Son and Kane still to play, and Jared Bowen as well. Oh, okay, so, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm on I'm on 43. Dallas is getting me sick. I'm, I'm assuming that Leeds are still keeping a clean sheet. They just they just uh, they won. They won one nil today. Okay. I've got Dallas and Bamford on my team too. Oh, Bamford scored, didn't he? Uh, he did. He took, a, he took one of a bitch. penalty spot. <laughs> yeah. Um. I've got who have I got left to play? I've just got Harry Kane left to play. And I stupidly made uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin my captain this week. Um, so Harry Kane's my vice-captain. Um, I've got Dyer to come on because I had Wan-Bissaka in, so he's going he's gonna to come off the bench and hopefully uh, score as well. But at the moment, I'm on 43. Uh, Kevin, however, uh, actually is not doing good either. He's on 16 points. <laughs> he, he got minus two for Mings. I, I don't know why. The Mings got sent off, didn't he? Yeah, he got two yellows. Yeah, so he got minus two, despite them winning 3-0. <laughs> Against um, a 10-man Crystal yeah. Palace, who is absolute <laughs> shit right now. Yeah. Uh, Mar- he's, got, he's got Mares, who scored nothing. He he still has Kane and Son to play, and Son's his captain, so he, he's, he's still got some hope there. But at the moment, as it stands, he's on 16 points. 
Um, and the ITN lead at the moment, Pookie's still got the lead, but absol- uh, Dan Buck's absolutely Fabregas is closing. Is only five points behind it. No, seven points behind him, I say. But again, that could all change. Saints Podcasters League, you've gone up to third, Tim. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've kept my fifth. Uh, Mitrovic, Matt Markstone, still top. Uh, but he's not having a very good week this week. Oh, he's got 40 points. So, but again, all to, all to change. Russian phrase. Right. Tim, there's no Kev to do a Russian phrase. As you know, he's not with us. So I thought I'd have a stab at it in his honour, because, you know, we all miss him. So I'll leave you with the Russian for I miss you, okay? <laughs> so you're going to have to bear, bear with me on this, um, okay? I miss you is Yasku Chayu Hatibe. Yasku Chayu Hatibe. There we go. It's, did you just say party bear? Yeah, party bear. Party, party bear. bear. I love it. Sounds it. like it. I've probably butchered this, and no doubt Grammar Man will be back and he'll correct me soon enough. But anyway, Kev, we miss you. Um, we won't be back now until until the new year, once the Moscow Mush has returned. So we'll be back and catch up with everything from Kev's exploits to West Ham to Shrewsbury Town and the Cup and, and the Liverpool game. Um, so have the happiest of New Year's. Let's hope we can start afresh in 2021 and put this horrible year behind us. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for stepping into Kevin's shoes. A happy new year to you and Abby, and a happy new year to all our brilliant listeners. It's been a pleasure. Happy new year, everybody. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. And Franny, what do you have to say? Up the Saints. You're on thin fucking ice, my pedigree chums, and I shall be under it when it breaks. Now fuck off. Sports Social Podcast Network.